Welcome. I want to talk about what special education is and how someone can have a podcast about it. Hello. I wanted to talk to you guys about what special education is because a lot of people are confused, including teachers that work in the United States, that it is required for them to know about special education. Even these teachers are confused about what it is. Um, it's kind of bewildering. And also, I don't blame them because I didn't really know about it until I started looking into teacher programs. And it's a, a relatively new thing, um, but it does have like a really long history and a lot of it is legal stuff. But I'll try to summarize that for you guys in a way that's a little bit more entertaining than um, going through a YouTube video. Like if you type in history of special education, there's a bunch of like slideshows and cool stuff that go into depth. Um, performing, uh, I mean, like, uh, presenting the visual information with, like, the laws and the timelines, and unfortunately, I'm not there yet, so we're gonna push forward here with just the audio and, like, a brief but entertaining, um, history of special education. So just to clarify... There has been people with learning disabilities since the beginning of history. And I need to say that because I've heard people mention, um, parents and people in my community mention that um, learning disabilities are made up and that they're a, like a modern phenomenon. Uh, like I'm assuming they're tying it to like the industrial revolution and like how people have been getting sick uh, because of like our living conditions, which I do agree with, but I don't think that that's the only factor within um, having people with learning disabilities. And even that term is kind of, uh, limiting and like framing the conversation in a particular way what there's this idea that not everyone's brain in the world works the same way which is a revelation for a lot of people so not everyone can do the same thing in the same way um, a term that's been used in like special education research and like communities is the term that I've come across, which is pretty uh, recent, is neurodiversity. It's a term that was made up in the late 90s by a researcher called Judy Singer, but it's supposed to represent the diversity of brains in the world and how you can ask someone to do something and people will do it all in different ways. So like not everyone's brain is essentially wired the same. We start to figure out that we have certain tendencies and different people have different tendencies and think about the world in different ways, uh, regardless of culture and despite culture. Um, so neurodiversity is a thing that we're still learning about and it's very new. Um, so, I mean, humans have existed for not that long in relation to the earth, but 
different people are good at different things. And that has definitely been the trend up until now <laughs> for humanity. Um, so I think like some of the things that I've read in these books is like, hey, you know, like someone that's not that great at executive functioning would have done something else <laughs> in the past. Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't remember exactly what the examples were, but not everyone, like in modernity, like we all need certain skills and we're considered like terrible human beings if we can't stay still or if we can't read or if we can't like listen to someone talk talking to us um there's certain expectations like being able to sit still and all that um so special education <laughs> in theory or in practice is how to take people that <laughs> think differently and behave differently and put them into the mold that we currently accept in society. And that kind of sounds harsh because I'm a part of that as an educator working in the system. Like that's the system's overall goal. We're just trying to get, get kids to uh, be able to work in the environments that they're in. So I think since like our modern school system, like the way that we know it now, um, there was a huge fight for equal rights. Um, and we always think about it like something that happened uh, in the past that was like super remote. And I've seen on like Twitter and like Instagram how at this year, 2021, um, <laughs> I, I saw that there was a push for trying to include more pictures of Martin Luther King Jr in color and like pictures from that era, the civil rights movement um, in color because it wasn't really that long ago. So it was like 50 or 60 years ago. So I think that to address what special education is also includes what people like would think about people that had a learning disability or weren't able-bodied, which means that you can like run and jump and like you have all your limbs and your eyesight and your hearing is um, people really excluded those that weren't able-bodied and weren't like product deemed productive in society uh, to the fringes of society. So um, kids with disabilities did not get to go to the same schools as their peers. Like before the seventies, there's a huge stigma for people that identify themselves or their family members with different types of disabilities. Um, and that's what I've seen and researched is deeply rooted in from what I've understand at this point that in the United States, we treated people very poorly that were not um, deemed productive in society. They would put them into, I don't want to say camps, but it kind of similar conditions. It was just like institutions. Institutions would be the word for those places. Um, if you watch the movie on Netflix right now called Crib Camp, um, 
they kind of show a little bit of that. I don't remember the name of the... These institutions were run... They just had people in there, like, basically until they died. So they would shower them, like, in groups by, like, spraying water hoses on them, feed them, like, low-quality food, and just kind of contain them in a room. Um, And they weren't given any dignity. They didn't have any clothes. Um, So if you had any problem before you got in there with mental health, by the time, you know, a couple days or hours in there you they would definitely be amplified by a lot because just seeing that footage is pretty disturbing i've seen it on youtube before um but it's kind of contained in that movie crib camp which details um some of the the fight for inclusion in schools in the way that special education is implemented into schools at this moment is that students with learning disabilities and physical disabilities are to be included in the general education curriculum, which means most likely if you're listening to this, like the school that you went to now in in modern day times has students with disabilities. Um, attending the same classes as general education students, there's no longer like a huge um, separation. Like I remember in my schooling, there would be kids that had special classrooms just for them. And that's usually called a special day class now. And uh, the students that are eligible for that have a moderate to severe uh, learning disability. And it's deemed that they will benefit most from being from in that space. But to get to this point, it's a not that long history, but it's kind of tumultu- tumultuous. Like uh, during the 70s, um, if you had a learning disability, um, you were not allowed to go to the same school as your peers. Um, many times you were denied access to just attending a school, especially if you had a physical disability. Um, Yeah, you were were not allowed to go into the school. So you would sit at home and do whatever your parents told you to do. So the first legislation in 1975, and we still use the same term, it's called Section 504 today like that's what the part about so in 1975 there was a non-discriminatory law passed and it was called like the section 504 so and all it said was that people with disabilities were not allowed to be discriminated in education in hospitals and transportation that received federal money it it wasn't like it was like sort of happy like it passed, but not a lot of, there was no like, there was no enforcement to it. Um, they were always like at the verge of getting vetoed. Uh, the funding for that type of stuff was always like super low. But I think in the movie that I, wa- I mentioned, Crip Camp on Netflix, which you should watch as a, as a supplement to this podcast, 
uh, is it kind of mentions like the fight for uh, during Vietnam. That was the time in the 70s. So the returning veterans, a lot of them returned disabled. And that's a super interesting idea that uh, disability rights is super important for everyone to fight for because it's like the only like ism that you can suddenly find yourself in the marginalized group. So like for racism, like you don't wake up another race or for disability, you can find yourself to be disabled, physically impaired in a moment's notice. And it's, it changes your whole life. These veterans that had returned from Vietnam, they kind of helped kind of get some more enforcement for Section 505, 504, excuse me. The veterans that returned from Vietnam, they were able to help uh, kind of bringing more awareness around Section 504 and like the implementation of it. And kind of like the big thing that when I went to school for special education, they talked about so 1990 American with Disabilities Act that kind of changed the game to how we view students with learning disabilities and physical disabilities in public spaces. And something that was crazy about watching that movie was that during the 70s and 80s, people didn't weren't used to seeing people that had disabilities all together in one place. So they had some demonstrations and sat out they took over like i think the mayor's house in san francisco they had like they stopped traffic in in new york and it was like a lot of commotion they did like a hunger strike uh they were assisted by the black panthers that really stood out to me in san francisco uh the whole mutual aid they provided them food while they were camped up in the in the building trying to get congress and the education secretary to kind of review their fight for inclusion, which was extremely vital and to get to 1990 and with the Americans with Disability Act. The biggest thing that you should know is that the ADA Act is a federal law that stops discrimination against eating in public, hiring, pay, transportation, and that can include physical or mental impairments that subst substantially limits major life activities. So again, like for your employment, for your public domain, so like entering and exiting buildings, like buildings and public transportation are supposed to be accessible. And that's like a fairly new thing. And that was one of the major um, pushbacks from like lawmakers and like business owners is that they did not want to make their buildings and services more accessible because it would be more expensive. So this includes like state and local transportation, housing, like evictions and all that. Um, so the ADA in 1990 kind of changed the rules in how students with disabilities are included into public education. Um, as a result, I have a job as a special education teacher. So my job is to work with students that have different learning disabilities. Um, and one way that that is kind of determined is through academic testing and like social emotional testing and um, like very basic physicals. Um, 
with the student and with their families. So at times, this is the first time that the parent might feel that their child is being othered. And it's like a, it's a difficult process because they might say like, well, at home, you know, they're completely normal and probably yes, because they're not being asked to do uh, school activities uh, such as like reading, writing, and math and doing different cognitive activities that they normally would not be asked to do at home. Um, so that's very difficult for the parents and for the students to kind of accept, but usually what is um, kind of like the red flag for the school to try to figure out if they should support a student or not more is whether or not they're doing well academically. So people that do well academically are never considered for an IEP even if they have a doctor's note that says that they have ADHD or autism or whatever. Usually they're like the very end of the list for schools to support them academically because they're already doing well. And those people do exist. I know a lot of people that feel that students with disabilities can't do well in school. Um, but that's kind of my job to kind of help them, the teachers and the students to both do well in their roles. Um, but, uh, common like eligibilities that we see for IEPs, which are individual education plans made for students with learning disabilities are the first one that a lot of people get confused with is the eligibility of specific learning disability. So this could fall under like processing visual or auditory information. So it's not like a diagnosis, doesn't change anyone's life magically. It's just like you have trouble processing information that you hear, you have process, uh, problems processing information that you see. Like that's like a big one. Um, another eligibility is other health impairment. So this can be something that prevents students from uh, performing academically. So usually this comes down to like attention problems and other mental health issues as well. Um, and it's, it's pretty complicated and it's not necessarily my expertise to talk about uh, the eligibility. Um, and it's kind of just like a label to kind of put on the kids so we can start giving them additional supports. Uh, because each kid, even though they might have the same eligibility, are not going to benefit from the same accommodations always. Or you can't work with them in the same exact way. Um, just because they have the same eligibility. Um, and then the third one that people like love to talk about how they really know a lot about <laughs> this topic is autism. There's a lot of people out there that are autistic and they don't have IEPs. It's only when they're, this child is not performing well like 
academically. Then they get an IEP, and then through that, usually they'll receive services from an additional teacher, the resource teacher, and I make sure that they receive the accommodations that are listed on that IEP. And I might work with them outside of their regular math and English classes, like maybe during their elective class or during a period of the day, review some of the information that has been taught in the classes. Or I might just be in the classroom working with the whole class, but making sure that the material is accessible to the students that have a little bit of trouble just figuring out what's going on in the classroom. And a lot of times, <laughs> it's just not the special education students. I mean, a lot of the kids have the same hangups. Like, reading is hard. We got to make it easier for them. And essentially, it's, it just comes down to good teaching. Like, how, how do you become a good teacher? Big part of the IEP helps students as well. Um, that isn't necessarily my role is that they are eligible to receive like counseling through the school for free, which is a big deal and different services, different things that would help them. So like, I would say counseling is a big one. And also if they have a physical disability, then they can get adapted physical education, a speech, um, so speech, they can get like a speech therapist to work with them through their IEP. So I received speech therapies, shout out to my school. Um, I don't remember what, like what <laughs> was difficult for me to say, but uh, I think they just didn't think I could speak English because I was very quiet. And probably when I spoke English, I was speaking English, the English I heard was, I don't know where I would hear it because everyone at home spoke Spanish. So I guess I would only hear it at school, but <laughs> the people that I most talked to, which were other students, were also learning English in a very similar situation as myself. I need a speech therapy to talk louder and probably pronounce words correctly. And uh, I still remember her, her name is Miss Peterson. Shout out to her. So to summarize special education, the main goal of it is to include people with disabilities into regular life because for a long time, they were not allowed to be in the same schools. This is a super modern thing. So most people, they don't know about what special education is because it was, it's been developing. It's been like a little baby. Um, underfunded still, like education as a whole, underfunded. Slowly, there's been more of a acceptance, like kids that have graduated currently, probably within the last five years, they definitely know that there's been more than one adult in the classroom uh, during their classes, and it's not weird to them, but it is weird for the staff at times, and that becomes a problem. Um, so we're still learning how to do this, uh, which is exciting and it is exciting for me because we get to figure out how to include more people in the world, what we're doing, which is always a good thing. And it's very scary to look at footage of people being very nasty to people with disabilities. From here, 
I mean, it's been a huge like learning opportunity to do this podcast. It's my a yearly goal. It's going to be like a long-term project. I just want to continue making a podcast once a month at the very least. And I want to talk about different things that pertain to like inclusiveness and education because that's like my specialty, my career. But I do want to, I kind of want to throw this out there. Like I want to talk about like hidden disabilities, like kind of briefly mentioned some of them. Uh, during this one, this podcast, I want to talk about the stigma of being a student with a disability. And, and I also want to talk about how like inclusiveness can help all students and how it's actually improving teaching in general. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast and I want to encourage you to follow it on the app that you're listening to. And if you're on Apple, Please rate me five stars. Uh, that way other people can discover this podcast. I'm slowly going to try to promote it. I do have a full-time job right now. Thank you very much for listening to this episode.